Are you guys ready to put the word today? It is my pleasure, my honor, and such a blessing to introduce this morning's speaker. This is a true kingdom man. He has served as an example for me and my family. I can't say enough about him. He's one of those who will, in any area of ministry that he's asked to assist in, he's the first to stand up without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, so much to the point to where Brother and Arthur and I have dubbed him Brother Tryhard because he will do anything and everything as service to the kingdom. Amen? Amen. It is such an honor for me to introduce our speaker this morning, my brother, Brady Webster. Check, check. Can you all hear me? Okay, you don't have to receive everything that people try and give you, so try hard. I'm not quite sure about that one. Rebuke. <laughs> Before we get started, I uh, wanted to remind you guys, so we're talking, pastor's been talking about I love my church, an unstoppable force, right? We're the church. I didn't see any hands go up. Jamie didn't recognize any hands go up when he asked for visitors. So I'm going to assume the audience are those that profess Christ as king and talk like y'all know what I'm talking about. But before we get started, we have a very special day tomorrow, so we have a video.
Would all of our veterans please stand? Any veterans in the house today? Amen. Amen. Yes, church. Everybody stood. Amen. We honor you guys. We are so blessed as a country. Father in heaven, today is a day of prayer and a day of honor. You give us the awesome opportunity, and by your grace, we are in this country, in this state, where we can worship freely and bring honor to those who are honorable, things that are honorable. Father, we're moving into your time. I ask that you use this man as a vessel, and Holy Spirit, have your way. I ask for you to soften hearts, open ears to be able to receive the word of God. And all these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So today is a day of prayer, and it's a day of honor. We have Veterans Day formally tomorrow, but we get the chance to come together and celebrate today together. And there's something powerful about when a church comes together. Amen. So thank you again, and before we get started, I mentioned today is also a day of prayer. That's every day, but today is a day of prayer in the house of prayer, so I have a praise report, and I hope that you will join me in excitement for all the things that have happened in this family's life, but we have a picture right here. Some of you may know them. (laughs) Yeah, we have Jacob, Sam, Joe, Jules, and Jason, and... Uh, I, asked, I asked Jacob if he wouldn't mind sharing with me kind of some of the things he went through. And I'm not going to get into any of the details. This is his testimony, so I'll share in his words what he had to say. Uh, the reason they're at the courthouse, though, I will share that. I think that's an important part of the story. <clears throat> so these two little ones, Joe and Jules, you see the smiles on their faces? That's because they're standing under cover of their dad, (laughs) their father, who's not their birth father, but in every other respect, that's their dad. And this made it formal in the eyes of the world and everybody else. (laughs) Amen. So here's what Jacob sent me. This was the hardest obstacle I have ever had to go through. Now, please understand, he doesn't say that lightly. He's lost a brother. He's not old. 18 months of stress and uncertainty. This was hard on me, my wife, our kids. What I didn't realize, that this was affecting my relationship with God. I didn't realize I was taking it out on God. I felt that he was not in this with us. We would pray and pray and wait for an answer for our problems to be solved. Nothing. It was not until I asked for prayer in the church that I noticed everything was falling into place. Not the way I wanted to, but the way God had planned it. I prayed with the men in my conquer group. And after we said, amen, guys, after we said, amen, I received an email from my lawyer saying my wife's ex had agreed to execute his parental rights. This amazed me. 
I was in awe after that night. Everything fell right into place. Every prayer we prayed was answered one by one. By adoption day, when the gavel was slammed on the table, every ounce of stress was gone. I felt like a new person. God definitely was working even when we didn't see it. And so he was in my conquer group. We prayed for him. Uh, there's authority in corporate prayer. Uh, he didn't give it mention, but the women had been praying for him for months. That's important too. <laughs> but hey, that happened in your house and here at FCM. We celebrate each other. So amen. Give it up for the Lord. So Veterans Day in honor. When I think of these things and in my family, it always goes back to my cousin Daniel. So Daniel is one year younger than I am. So he's, wow, he's an old man. Um, and he, he joined the Marine Corps. He's currently a major. He's in uh, California. Uh, he, was, he trained as a helicopter pilot. He was stationed in Hawaii. If he wasn't deployed, it wasn't a, he was playing golf. It wasn't a hard life. Don't let him fool you. But when we think of honor, when we think of that hero status, it will never be me and our family. It will always be Daniel. In my family's mind, every time they picture a veteran, someone of honor, a hero, they picture Daniel in his dress blues. And I would argue to say that they always picture Daniel in his dress blues. But I know better. I spent a lot of time with Daniel growing up. He used to go to sleep every night with a movie. He couldn't go to sleep without TV on. But it was always the same movie. From when we were little, it was Heartbreak Ridge. It's Clint Eastwood. is a Marine. And so his whole life was kind of orchestrated. But he's done very well. He's deployed. He's been to Afghanistan. He's been to Iraq. He's been in the Persian Gulf. He's, he's been a lot of dangerous places. Through volunteerism, he's been on the ground with the grunts as a Ford Air Controller putting himself in harm's way. So yes, my cousin Daniel is an admirable person. Uh, so thinking of honor and prayer, the Lord called back to memory this week while I was praying, and I'll talk about that too. So when pastor asks you to do something, maybe you're like me, absolutely. What do you need? He hasn't told me yet, but I've always said yes. And it's not until things get close that I'm like, Man, I did it again. I said yes. <laughs> Jamie knows what I'm talking about. He's been up here too. Uh, but so it does a couple things. It, it sends me into a place of devouring God's word in a way that I don't typically do it, admittedly. It sends me into deep, rich prayers, asking for God's help, asking for God's guidance, asking, asking, asking. And it starts to draw out memories. One memory, Veterans Day, Daniel, the hero in the family, not me, grew up with Daniel. Spent a lot of time with him. I remember being in his room, and I was younger than my son is now. My son's 12. So I was 8 or 9, makes Daniel 7 or 8. And on his bedside table, um, he had a coin that he'd got at a church camp or that he'd got... Uh, somewhere, 
uh, not the point, but it was the prayer of Jabez. And I asked, you know, what it was. Um, you know, and as you read the Bible, sometimes you, you read, you remember, and it's not until you recite out loud until you know that you've pronounced something wrong. You might be like me, but it was Jabez until people were, no, it's Jabez. I was like, oh, sorry. I wasn't around 2,000 years ago. <clears throat> uh, but so the prayer of Jabez is in First Chronicles 4.10, and it's about praying big prayers, praying for increased land. And it's very short, and it's one verse, but it's led to a book, a lot of study, a lot of insight from one little piece of scripture. And it says, I'll paraphrase, um, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, so we know he was honorable, right? And he inquired of God, or some versions say he cried out to the God of Israel, cried out, spoke, prayed. He prayed to the God of Israel, increase my land and let me not have affliction. And he asked for some things, but the, the key point is the very end of the verse, and the Lord granted his petition, Big prayers. It was that time when you had this seven-year-old discipling this eight-year-old that I really considered my prayer life at about that age. And I didn't remember, guys, until this week. Until this week, I was that young considering my prayer life. Up until that point, I remember praying this. Uh, I made it up. Uh, now I lay me down to sleep. I didn't make it up. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Saw the coin, got educated by my cousin on prayer, considered my prayers, and my prayer started to change. Big prayers. You know, like at that age, at that, it's such a young age. We, we look at that and like, you know, I'm going to take my kids to be babysat, and then I'm going to come get some word, and then we're going to go. And No. Those kids are learning. By the time they finish 3D, they've been through the Bible multiple times. So go ahead and take time to allow your kids to disciple you. Uh, I'm catching up in my head to where I was. Um, so growing up with Daniel, I found the coin, considered my prayer life. My prayer up to that point was very simple, not thought about much. I would pray it kind of vain repetition and at night, scared of the dark, I'll, I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to hide, but it changed. And I remember adding a piece to it. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord, my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Lord in heaven, please watch over and protect my family and friends. In Jesus' name, amen. And that was the first time I remember praying something that wasn't scripted, that wasn't learned. And I was little. And I'm not bragging. What, what does he say? I'm not telling you this to impress you. I'm telling this to impress upon you. Oh, you've heard that before. I was praying that prayer in college, you know? I mean, I, I turned into a grown man at about 38, no, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> but 
but it made me consider the evolution of my prayer life. So today we're talking about prayer, and the title of my message is Prayer, Roar Like a Lion, because we're plugged into the authority and the power to be able to pray like that. So when I consider a lion, really cool, I hope you think it's cool as well, but lions don't just roar to open up movies. There's a purpose to the roar of a lion. Multifaceted. So a pride, by definition, is actually a group of female lions that will stay together for life. That's what a pride is. Sometimes they have males. Most times they have males. But a group of male lions is called a coalition, a coalition of male lions. So what happens is male lions are born, they grow up in the pride, they leave the pride. They leave the pride as a coalition searching for whom they may destroy, for whom they may devour. Does that sound familiar? 1 Peter 5.8, your adversary the devil walketh about seeking whom he may devour. It's very similar to what lions actually do. So the male lion of a pride uses his roar to establish and protect his dominion. So there are very defined areas that lions live. You could say it's, it's like this. So the male lion in the morning and at night is using his roar to establish his dominion, to let other lions who are creeping about, who would seek to devour, know he's there. And the roar does a couple things. One, it lets them know, I'm in someone else's house. Two, the other lions know the size of the lion by his roar. Isn't that cool? So they may be creeping, like we found a spot. I know there's cubs here. I know there's females here. But you hear the roar, and you're creeping about, and you're like, that sounds like Jamie Savannah. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. But we are told that once we plug into Christ, who, who roars for us, Revelation 5, 5, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed. But I have a video that explains what this looks like when you get out of being plugged into the church and praying, having the church prayed for you, having brothers pray for you, when you're just wandering about. As they mature, young males begin to explore the boundaries of the pride's territory. Red has ventured out alone. straight into the middle of the hyena clam. (laughs) 
by over 20 of them. The pack tries to wear him down. This number of hyenas could kill him. to fight them all at once. He can't keep them at bay for much longer. He's tiring fast. His ally, Tartu, has heard the commotion. to take on. Red is lucky. Yes! I love that video because he got off track. And I don't know about you, but hyenas might be the closest animal to what a devil looks like. The fiery darts of the enemy are plaguing red. And do you know where Tartu was coming from? He was at church worshiping when he heard the call to go help his brother. We don't do it alone. Galatians admonishes us to bear one another's burdens. But Red was unplugged from the power, from the authority. But did you see 20 hyenas? One can cast 1,000 to flight, two can cast 10,000 to flight? Come on. So, I experienced that a lot. I told you my cousin Daniel's identity in the family is the hero, so it made me think about my identity. I hope you think about your identity and your circle of influence, your family, your friends, your workplace, wherever you find yourself. And I'm asked for prayer a lot. I'm asked by Christians for prayer a lot. See, I don't want to be a Christian and nobody know it. 
Does that benefit the kingdom? I want to be a Christian out loud. Matter of fact, I left one company and I am fortunate enough to get to work for another company. Now, one company doesn't necessarily smile at the fact that I was a Christian out loud. I mean, nothing ever happened. It was just that wasn't their core values. So I didn't feel comfortable espousing mine there. My current company, our slogan, our original slogan from 1896 <laughs> is bear ye one another's burdens. Galatians 6.2. Our vice president of HR is in a training class and people are asking silly questions and she said, make no mistake, you work for a faith-based company. So I wrote it down in the date. <laughs> but I get asked to pray for a lot of people. And typically what I find and typically what I hear, even in this church from men, is, hey, things are going terribly wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. The hyenas. Everything is wrong. And amen that they, they have somebody they can come to, and I'm open for that, and it's always my honor to pray, but I always ask, what's your prayer life like? <clears throat> and a lot of times I hear, I don't really pray. Uh, my wife prays. I come here on Sunday. You know, I started trying to come here on Wednesday. I rearranged my work schedule, and I'm like, all right, brother. But inside, I'm like, what? I got a lion video for you. Because the power and the authority is in praying. And if you claim the name of Christ, it's not in someone else. Now, it's okay to ask someone to pray and touch and agree. And there's power in that. But if you're not plugged in and you learn nothing from that, you're missing it. You are missing it. And prayer is not something, one day, you say the sinner's prayer, you're like, I'm saved, now what? Feel strong, love that song, gonna sing it all day. How do I pray? It's not uncommon. It's like anything. I mean, in the weight room, you don't just walk in and know what to do. You don't walk out the first day and look like, Jamie Beefcake Savannah? Got a whole nother service. <laughs> it, takes, it takes doing. It takes repetition. It takes effort. And it takes a heart that wants to understand this thing that you claim you are. Christian's not mentioned that much in the New Testament. Disciple is mentioned hundreds of times. This church, we want to be Christ-like disciple makers. And who we're discipling we're trying to form ourselves into the image of Christ. That's, that's the effort. If you're not praying, then it's, it's, a, it's a miss. So, yes, we need each other. The effective prayer of a righteous man, the book of James. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen? But we have instruction 
you know, who we're praying in the name of, Jesus, he actually tells us when we read our word, when we dig into the Bible, in the Gospels, in Luke, and in Matthew, he tells us how to pray. So in Luke 11, he actually, the disciples actually approach him, you know, teach us how to pray as John taught his disciples how to pray, and he proceeds to instruct. It's curious because these were, these were Hebrew men asking Jesus to teach them how to pray. They weren't unfamiliar with prayer. At the time, as a matter of fact, Jewish men and in Israel, they prayed the Shema. It was the cornerstone piece of the prayer every morning and every night. So we can infer from that pretty confidently that Jesus prayed the Shema. You can find it in Deuteronomy 4. My point is, is that they weren't unfamiliar with prayer, but the prayer of Jesus was different, and they recognized it. Now, what we're going to focus on is in Matthew, the Mount of Beatitudes. So it's in Matthew 6. In 5 through 9, we'll find Jesus' instruction to disciples. Disciples on how to pray. And the Lord gave this to me. He brought this to me because I was considering the evolution of my prayer life and trying to answer the question, why do people ask me to pray? Why? Because I told you guys, I was praying the same prayer at eight that I was praying when I was in college. Those of you that know me, I had two sets of college. Like, okay, so you were like 18 to 20, but then you were, don't worry about that. So here's the instruction in Matthew 6, the words of your king. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. So that last line, some people are like, well, why pray at all? So if you want to know how to pray and you're observant in your day-to-day, when you find a group, find the kids. Find the little kids. Why do you say that? Because they come before their parents in a very specific manner. Boldly. And they fully expect they'll be given what they're asking for. Do they not? Example, because that sounds almost pretty spiritual. Example, Dad, what's for dinner? I mean, it's that simple, but Dad, what's for dinner? If I don't answer, Dad, what's for dinner? Dad, what's for dinner? You're giving me dinner. I don't worry I'm going to have dinner, but what is it? I want to know. And mm, ah! Littler kids, Mom, 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 hi. <laughs> you know? The Lord asks that from us. He asks that from us, and kids just have a way of knowing it because they trust in who their parents are 
they know who their daddy is, and they fully expect good things. But if you're an earthly daddy, how much better that, come on. So, whoa, amen, received, better than try hard. <laughs> so a couple things, a couple words stand out from this verse. And when you pray, but you, when you pray, and when you pray. So even Peter was probably like, guys, he wants us to pray. Right? No question. He doesn't leave it hanging. But maybe it generates more questions for us. Okay, so when I pray, so yes, I'll pray, but, you know, when should I pray? Good question. So... What I wanted to do when I was putting together this message was do a deep dive, do a deep dive into, into Genesis through Revelation, but I didn't quite make it there. So what I did was I just pulled out a couple texts. 61 of the books have references to prayer. There's over 1,100 scriptures on prayer. Prayer is important, amen? But if none of those were included in only this, prayer is important, amen? It's the words of our Lord. So I have Philippians 4, 4 through 6. Maybe you've heard it. It's a pretty popular one. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now that is a very important verse. In, in my Bible, I have notes written in there because I was going through a very dark time in life and without even thinking, that is the exact words pastor quoted to me to encourage me. So wrote it down, put the date. How many of you know you can write things down, put the date, and it's for your spiritual growth because you can look back and say, oh God, look what you did. You did it then. I have trust in your future grace. And I have another note there, my brother. So my brother stood up to give his speech at our wedding. And when I say speech, I don't know if he made it through the whole verse or just part of the verse, but I know exactly what he was communicating. Because he told, he told everybody that was in attendance, he said, by the way, if you don't know what supplication means, it means to beg. And he knew what that meant because, like I said, I was going through a very dark time years back, and some of you guys have heard my testimony, some of you haven't, but it's online if you're interested. Um, I don't think that's weird, I guess. But I had a very dark time, and my brother was fervently praying for his beloved big brother. Now, my brother is one of the people in my life, and We've been through a lot together, but he's the only one who knows what it was like. So he was praying for me, and at the wedding, his point was, is not only am I happy that my brother found a wife, but you're an answered prayer, because he was praying for someone to come into my life, you know, like firmly, just praying for someone he loved. I want this for him. I want it for him. Lord, bring him a six-foot blonde. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and he did. 
Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In Thessalonians, some, uh, so, okay, so some of us pray, and I understand this and I get this, Lord, what is your will for my life? Lord, what do you want for me? Lord, your will, your will, your will for me. What is your will for me? Oh, wrote it down. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. I talked about my cousin Daniel a lot. I spent a lot of time with them growing up. My Aunt Diane and my Uncle David, I could easily refer to them as my spiritual parents because they did it right. Looking back, the comfort I felt going into their home, I can remember specifically, and the Lord calls to remembrance, little notes that they used to have to each other. There was scripture above the sink. They have a note from Ephesians. Don't remember the verse, but I remember the little note my uncle put there to my aunt. Remember, he wrote this in prison. I didn't know what it meant then, but now I'm like, wow. Every day, scripture everywhere, raising their boys up in the way they should go. And now Daniel's the hero. (laughs) I'm proud. What do you mean I'm proud? (sighs) Pray without ceasing. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. So always pray. Okay, so how do I pray without ceasing? Well, one way to pray without, well, one part of prayer. Okay, prayer is not just our words going up. Prayer is inviting heaven down. It's inviting heaven down. And the instruction here that he gives in the Gospels they didn't yet have the, maybe the full understanding of how to, how to cinch up, how to tie up, how to bind up a prayer in Jesus' name like we do. Does that make sense? The time, so he's on the Mount of Beatitudes teaching. They didn't quite get it. But prayer is not just words coming up and inviting heaven down, so that means there's a component of listening the word Shema. So the, the prayer I told you that the Jewish men pray uh, in the morning and in the evening, the Shema, means listen. So it starts with, listen, O Israel. But what it means is, it's, you look at the word studies, and the words mean more, like there's more richness and there's more depth to the words uh, than just the translation that we get. And listen is pretty close, but it's, it's listen, hear, understand, absorb, meditate, take into you. Shema, O Israel, the Lord is one. So how would you stay in a constant state of prayer? Would pray without ceasing? I mean, that seems like a tall order because the way we typically understand prayer, or the way I typically understand prayer is, I go in my office in the morning and, you know, I, I start to pray. I'll do my devotionals and, and Lord, and, and say my prayers. But pray without ceasing is also recognizing the truth and God's voice in everything at all points of your day. So we're conscious and our mind is being transformed in the image of Christ. And we're constantly listening for the roar of the lion, 
And we have to be plugged in to be able to hear that. You know, no one wants to step right if the Lord's wanting you to step left. And some of us have heard the Lord's voice in things through his word, through other people, in your spirit. In your spirit. I heard the Lord driving here one Wednesday. I was praying about some things, hadn't yet bought my house, things were going squirrely. It was a very selfish prayer. Before I got to what was really plaguing me, bothering me, interrupting, trying to steal my joy, my kids, I said, Lord, and I heard in my spirit a voice that wasn't, it wasn't mine. It wasn't. It said, do you trust me? Whoa. You know, this knucklehead, I'm praying for stuff. Yes, Lord, I trust you. Call to remembrance my aunt and uncle. He wrote this in prison. I think Paul, the apostle of Christ, the movie, does a good job of Paul's life. So he was hit with the Roman cattails a lot. Roman cattails is a, a whip, multiple leather strands, shards of metal tied to the end. You've seen it in the Passion of the Christ. Whipped. So it, it doesn't just hurt the skin, it takes chunks of muscle, it really beats you up. Well, Paul, in the movie, accurately portrayed, he's walking like this because his muscles hadn't appro- they couldn't possibly heal. So his back was forever bent because of how many times he was beaten, flogged, left for dead, writing the most beautiful messages, commanding us through the power of the Holy Spirit and his pen to pray without ceasing, rejoice always. And yet he was beat. One of the things that I've read in a book that will invalidate someone quicker than anything is to say that it's not that bad when they're sharing their feelings. But I'm here to tell you, it's not that bad. And, you know, when you're walking through the office to the office of the person you don't necessarily want to see, the complaint can't possibly, I mean, I don't think, the complaint can't possibly be, I was walking down the hallway, got hit with another cattail. You're not saying that. Also, in Matthew, we find some things that we should not do. So we've covered when we should pray, always. We talked about what prayer is. The words go up, blessings come down, and you listen for the voice of your king. So now we have, you shall nots. You shall not be like the hypocrites. Do not use vain repetition as the heathen do. Do not be like them. Okay, so Jesus identifies two types of people. Hypocrites. Pretenders. Actors. Fake. Job turkeys. You find that in the religious. The religious. Right? The, the, the Pharisees, Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, right? They're, they're utilizing their power for their own good, lording it over the people. What did Jesus say about those cats? Den of vipers, whitewashed tombs, right? So he didn't have a very high opinion of them. So the hypocrites knew the truth and had distorted it for their own gain, right? I mean, think about it. 
the disciples had learned under some of these whitewashed tombs hypocrites. They were the religious leaders of the day, so everything that was learned was flowing through them to the rabbis and to the people. And they, didn't, they had to ask how to pray when they had the Shema, you know, they had the teachings of Moses. Do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. Who were the heathen? Those that didn't claim the one true God? The Gentiles. So when we say Gentiles, it sounds softer than saying pagans. But think about Paul's ministry. That's what Gentiles were. They didn't worship him because the Jews existed in kind of a closed unit. Jews produce more Jews, produce more Jews. By the way, if you're born Jewish in a Jewish family, the chances that you will remain a Jew for the rest of your life are somewhere in the 95, 96% because of their rhythms of life, because they learn prayers, because they value the, the dinner table, because they translate identity, who you are, very important to Jews, very important. It's the same kind of percentages with Amish because of the rhythms of life. I'm getting off topic. But he tells us not to be like the hypocrites, not to be like the heathens. Don't be like them. Well, in Luke 18, he gives us a good example of kind of what this looks like. So we have a Pharisee and a tax collector that go into the temple to pray. Okay? So the Pharisee, the whitewashed tomb, the hypocrite, he knows the truth, lords it over the people. And I'll summarize. So imagine you have a, a, you know, a, a prominent... Pick the politician you don't like. Not while we're here, but just in your own head. You don't have to share it. The politician you don't like, okay, comes into the sanctuary. And uh, someone with a, a job of ill repute, something who's not, someone who's not worldly respected in, in their job. Whatever that is, keep it in your head. But for the visualization, so these two men walk in to pray. And the Pharisee comes to comes to the stage, the politician, and his shoes are shined, he looks nice, very sharp, you know, has his America pin. He goes to pray, maybe doesn't even close his eyes. Lord, I thank you, Lord, you have blessed me beyond measure. You've made me, you've made me way better than that guy. You've given me access to stuff. You allow me to lead these people, and they follow, Lord. Thank you so much for all you've given me. Lord, I am, you are awesome. Gentleman of ill repute, not necessarily respected, gets no worldly glamour. Whoa. No worldly glamour. Nobody, as a matter of fact, people don't like the job he does. People don't like him because he represents Rome. A tax collector is working for the benefit of Caesar, so he's seen as a traitor. He comes in, and his prayer is vastly different. Picture him walking in. He's beneath, face to the floor, the last chairs in the sanctuary, and his hands are trembling because he knows what walking up to the stage represents. Father in heaven, forgive me. 
Like Isaiah prayed, I am a man of unclean lips. A penitent heart. Jesus is teaching. He's teaching. He's telling his disciples, I know that even you don't like him, but I love his heart. So don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the heathens. Vain repetitions. So think about the heathens. Bless you. Think about the heathens that were the prophets of Baal. Prophets of Baal, Baal, however you want to say. My wife and I had a conversation about how to pronounce some of these words, and we disagreed. Whatever the preacher says on Sunday, that's what we'll go with. (laughs) But on Mount Carmel, the prophet Elijah defeats the prophets of Baal in an emphatic way. I hope you all know the story. If you don't, go read the story, Elijah and the prophets of Baal. But you remember in the story, the prophets of Baal were, they were uh, trying to call Baal down. Elijah issued a challenge, you know, uh, my God's better than your God, and we'll find out whose God shows up by doing this, and you know, y'all go first. And then starts talking trash. Maybe he's in the bathroom, ha 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 ha, I'm Elijah. And so they don't have their God called down, and they end up vain repetition, chants, cutting themselves, doing all the things pagans do. This is a wonderful example of what those vain repetitions look like in the pagan world. We're talking about prayer, and this just came up, but I remember we signed up to pray for the Rivera family in May. They were having some things going on in their family, so they asked the church to pray for them, and that is a great thing. So I had the honor to sign up, so Lacey and I signed up, we put a time together, and then Our timer went off, so something I've learned from my wife is to set reminders and set calendars, and, you know, that's how you stay organized. And so we did that. When our timer went off on our phones, we were standing on Mount Carmel. We sent big prayers for the Rivera family, and we were proud to do it. And I just remembered that, so thank you for going down this road with me, but... Yeah, pray for each other. It's an honor to pray for your brothers and sisters. Okay, so what should we do? So we talked about when, she, when, when we should pray. We talked about when we, what we should not do. And we talked, now we're talking about what should we do. Go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. So your room, some translations say chamber, closet, secret room. So remember, uh, this is maybe not physically a place. So Jesus is always teaching in multiple meanings with what he says. This is focusing on God. This is, remember when you pray who you're praying to, right? In the secret place. So one of God's names in the Old Testament, folks, is jealous. And he wants no distraction So when you realize what a holy God is, and you bow your head, and you realize that fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fear is the word yurah, it means reverence, respect, honor, the word hallowed. That's what he's talking about. And all that instruction leads to him saying, in this manner... Pray. Some of you guys will recognize this prayer. 
I think it would be awesome as a church if we recite it together. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So I told you guys about my brother. I told you guys the worship team needs to come up. I told you guys how special he is to me. He's one of those, I mean, when I say brother, I've got a lot of brothers. But my brother goes back. We didn't have the best mom, and she was raising us. And, you know, she left this earth with no sight, with no teeth, frail, because of a body ravaged by drugs. And we lived through a lot of those decisions and a lot of the people that were in her life because of those decisions and both abused. He's my brother. So the Lord calling me at an early age, eight or nine, learning to pray, considering my prayer life, going through college, praying the same prayer, always knowing that God's got my back, always praying, Lord, I know that you're working things out for my good because I love you, regardless of what I was doing. So I'm a man, I start at about 22, had a family, had kids, started calling out my brother. Brother, it's time to make different decisions, it's time to be men, you know, and, and he's too smart for God because sociolo- sociology says this, and I'm a victim. Hangs up on me, running, doing stuff. And my prayer I can still remember is, Lord, put the people in his path that will help lead him to his purpose for your kingdom. Simple. Because I can't do it because he wasn't listening to me because all I am is just somebody who is, who is deceived because I know this guy, Jesus, and he doesn't want any part of that. He's too smart. But through the worst people in his life, he's introduced to my sister, Jessica. And she's not good either. <laughs> but she invites him to meet her parents. Enter into my brother's life Gary and Jennifer, who know who he is, know who his daughter, who their daughter is, and begin discipling my brother, asking him questions, sitting down, spending time every week. Come over next week, we'll have this for dinner, and we'll play games as a family to the point where my brother calls me one day and says, something's just different about him. When I walk into their house, I feel loved. I don't feel that many places. And I'm like, you idiot, that's the love of Jesus. They were discipling him ever so slowly, ever so lovingly tender. My brother and Jessica got married and then I got the chance to meet this family. So Gary's grandpa is a pastor. Gary's dad was a pastor. Gary was the director of the Texas Baptist Children's Home in Round Rock. That's where Jessica grew up. She knows the Lord. And she has a legacy of knowing the Lord that now my brother gets to claim. Fast forward, that's my brother and I. 
standing on the Mount of Beatitudes where Jesus preached. And I got a chance to hold my great-grandfather's Bible and read this verse to him. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And I said, this was between me and him, pointing at the Sea of Galilee. The Lord called us at different times. Thank God he did. Because now we serve faithfully. He's a deacon at his church. And they are disciples who make disciples. Here at FCM, we are Christ-like disciple makers. As the prayer team comes up, I will challenge you. Pray without ceasing. But right now, don't miss this moment. Things are going good. Pray thanksgiving. But pray for somebody. Pray for your family. Pray for your kids. Pray for this lost city. Pray for this church. Pray for our pastors. Do not miss this opportunity to pray. No man is promised tomorrow, but wow, what an opportunity we have to lay it before our King. Love you, church. Have a great day.